Hello, I'm Zanele Butelezi, and this is China Africa Talk. Africa and China are working together to ensure peace, security, and stability on the continent. China believes that uh, number one, poverty is the main culprit behind any type of uh, conflict. For Africa uh, to truly benefit from its partnership with partners like China on the world stage, there has to be peace and security. There cannot be developments without peace and security. In this episode, we look at Africa's cooperation with China and peace and security efforts on the continent. African leaders have committed themselves to silencing the guns and eradicate conflict that continues to impede the continent's socio-economic development and prosperity. With deepening China-Africa ties, Beijing has increased its support for Africa's peace and security programs in recent years as it pushes for peaceful development globally. The cooperation has been pursued through multilateral mechanisms, including the Forum on China-Africa Cooperation and the United Nations. In June last year, the China-Africa Peace Summit for the Horn of Africa was held in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. The gathering, which brought together members of the Horn of Africa, was convened by China's special envoy to the Horn of Africa, Shui Bing. China will continue to support countries in the region to uphold the vision of common, comprehensive, cooperative, and sustainable security, protect regional peace and security, and silence the guns. Somali's Deputy Minister for Foreign Affairs, Mohamed Abdi Hussein, and his counterpart from South Sudan, Deng Dao Deng Malek, were among the delegates at the conference. So once we get peaceful in the heart of Africa, then the other rest of Africa will get peace. This will improve the security in the Horn of Africa. It will help the connectivity in the Horn of Africa. It will help us for us to achieve economic development. Africa benefits greatly from China's increased funding for the United Nations, while 80% of the country's more than 2,000 peacekeeping troops are in Africa. In 2018, a decision was made to set up a China-Africa Peace and Security Fund to support the two sides' joint programs in Africa. Amidst scarce resources, China has also provided funding for counter-terrorism operations and the establishment of Africa's standby force to respond to emergency situations. What are some of the challenges facing peace and security on the continent? How is this China-Africa cooperation addressing these challenges? And how effective are the measures on the ground? To discuss this, I'm joined by Priyal Singh, researcher with the Institute for Security Studies in South Africa, and Professor Liu Baocheng, Associate Dean with the Academy of Global Innovation and Governance. Welcome to both of you, gentlemen. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. So let's just get a bit of uh, a picture of what's happening in Africa. Let me go to you, uh, Priyal. Conflicts and unrest have plagued the continent of Africa for decades. So what I would like to know from you, looking at the situation on the continent, what are the prevailing challenges that need to be addressed across the continent today? Well, thank you for the question. I think um, the overarching challenge that Africa is currently facing uh, collectively 
is that for many years and into the projected uh, future, um, the gap between Africa and the rest of the world is indeed widening. The gap uh, between Africa and many other countries across the world uh, in terms of uh, you know, these countries' development trajectories uh, is widening. So while Africa is developing, while there is economic growth, the pace of this economic growth and development is not keeping uh, up to speed with the rest of the world. And, um, you know, in essence, what we can argue is that Africa has simply not reaped the fruits of the current international uh, economic order, the current international multilateral system. And therefore, reform of the global governance system is a top priority for African countries. And I think the, the, the challenges stemming from this, from this overarching trend is that we see you know, poor governance, um, the rise of militant non-state actors stepping into the void created by poor governance. We see unconstitutional changes in government, violence extremism, and, and also we're, we're challenged with the general lack of, of funding and, and capacity at our disposal uh, to address these various challenges. So I think in a nutshell, those are, those are some of the primary challenges that we're grappling with in Africa at the moment. Coming to you, Professor Liu, Africa has become the major economic partner to the Asian country. So looking at what is happening in Africa, what is China concerned about when it comes to peace and security in Africa? keeping in mind what is happening in terms of investments that's coming from China, as well as, you know, its continued uh, partnership with Africa. China used to simply uh, handle the uh, import and export uh, 30 years ago. So therefore it has little contact directly with the local market, but the uh, situation has gradually changed, particularly when the Belt and Road Program was launched uh, from uh, 2013. So uh, Africa becomes the major attraction for Chinese investment. And now the Chinese firms and Chinese people will have to uh, mingle uh, together uh, locally uh, at uh, uh, the uh, industrial site, uh, at the uh, infrastructure uh, site, etc. So therefore, Whatever is happening over there in terms of peace and security will have direct impact on their property, on their expectation of profitability, and even on their uh, personal security. So therefore, uh, there is a legitimate need for China to uh, work with African locals and also the government and the unions uh, to uh, address such an issue in a realistic fashion. But in the meantime, China uh, also refrains from meddling into uh, internal affairs in Africa and support the notion of self-determination. So right now, the key concern, of course, is social unrest because that's going to disrupt the uh, normal workflow. And uh, uh, also the corruption issue uh, is also there, there to uh, deepen the Chinese concern because uh, you know there has been accusation China is really contributing to, uh, to the corruption, but uh, uh, realistically nobody is uh, uh, really incentivized uh, or voluntarily to give money to uh, people in a secret fashion. But uh, uh, you know they are uh, uh, cornered to uh, 
get engaged into the gray area. And that's uh, uh, one thing. The other is also the uh, strong the uh, uh, sentiment and even xenophobia against the foreign investment uh, by having a large protectionist policy to prevent the expansion of investment. And uh, some countries only wanted to confine the Chinese uh, uh, industrial manufacturing in a cocoon in a very restricted area. And they do not even allow the Chinese people to run shops, to, uh, to get engaged in retail or logistics services, et cetera. So that's a disruption to the uh, business ecosystem that uh, uh, Chinese uh, businesses are really getting concerned. Priyal, these are very serious concerns. Um, the, the ongoing conflicts, corruption, you know, governance issues in uh, many African countries. Why has the African Union struggled to deal with these challenges? I mean, this is despite having shifted from its predecessor's uh, non-intervention approach, uh, that is the organization of African Union, of African unity rather. Why has it been a challenge to actually bring down the level of conflicts, bring down uh, the level of poor governance in many of the countries so that uh, we are sure other people, other partners such as China that wish to come in and uh, invest more in the continent's development. What has been the challenge, Priyal? Well, I think the, the African Union is a very large, complex institution, much like the United Nations, but it has the added disadvantage of being considerably constrained um, in terms of resources and, and capacity. And, and this is by far and large the African Union's biggest hurdle uh, at the moment. Uh, we have seen considerable attempts to um, address this in recent years. Um, uh, for example, through the capitalization of the African Union's peace fund, um, as well as efforts aimed at the utilization of, of UN-assessed contributions uh, to, to support African-led peace support operations. But, you know, uh, these issues, I mean, this, the latter issue has been deadlocked for a number of years, and, and the AU Peace Fund still remains quite, uh, you know, considerably undercapitalized uh, to address the, the magnitude of challenges uh, we see across the continent. Beyond these challenges, I think the African Union also struggles sometimes with mustering the necessary political will uh, and buy-in of all of its 55 member states to support uh, collective conflict resolution approaches. Uh, we see these dynamics play out, for example, uh, within the AU's Peace and Security Council, in which certain member states uh, actively work toward blocking certain sub-regional conflicts uh, from being discussed as an agenda item on, on the Peace and Security Council. And I think the final points I'll make on this issue is that the African Union often finds itself at a difficult middle ground um, in, in the sense that above the African Union, we have the kind of uh, preeminence of the UN Security Council. And below the African Union, we have the continent's various uh, sub-regional uh, economic communities, the Southern African Development Community, uh, ECOWAS, ECAS, and so on. So um, coordinating peace and security interventions 
in, um, in concert with the United Nations and in concert with the regional economic communities uh, is, is quite a complex um, process. It requires a lot of coordination and it requires a very clear uh, determination, political will and leadership. Um, so I think those are some of the challenges that constrain the AU's ability to, to address the various challenges we've seen in, in recent years. So now, Priyal, we have China and Africa teaming up together to face these challenges on the continent. Uh, we heard uh, Professor Liu talking about why China may have decided to come into this area of supporting uh, Africa's efforts in peace and, and, and security, as well as you know ensuring that there's stability on the continent. So from your perspective, how important is this cooperation between these two sides in ensuring peace and security on the continent? I think Africa certainly benefits uh, through its deepening partnership with China, specifically as this relates to China's uh, financial uh, and technical peace and security supports. Uh, we see this in terms of peacekeeping, uh, we see this in terms of Chinese uh, investments and in vital infrastructure. So I think it's quite clear that many African states do indeed uh, see the value of, of China as a uh, preeminent partner in uh, African states uh, pursuing their own peace and security agendas. Uh, for many African governments, I think Beijing uh, is often viewed also without the historical baggage uh, that often defines Africa's partnership with Western countries, uh, and as well as the, the, the conditions that are often attached to the development assistance uh, initiatives by Western countries in Africa. Um, so uh, absolutely, I think uh, African states do see this value. Um, so long as, um, you know, the professor said that African states own agency and influence uh, is is not undermined in any way. Uh, I think these are, um, so African states do clearly see this, this value. Coming back to you, Professor Liu, for decades, China has maintained a non-interventionist approach in its engagement with other countries, including African countries. But uh, in recent years, I would say maybe dating back to 2012, we saw that China has become increasingly involved in these uh, efforts of peace and uh, security on the continent. So one would ask why the shift now? Why has it become important for China to get involved in Africa's peace and security efforts? There are two issues uh, involved in the question that uh, you raised, which is very important. One is the China continue to maintain its uh, non-interventionist policy. And therefore, uh, by addressing the peace and security issue, China would uh, like to uh, resort to more of the multilateral uh, platforms like the United Nations, uh, because uh, China is now the second largest contributor to the peacekeeping funds uh, of the United Nations. And uh, China strongly advocates the United Nations to give a lion's share for peace and security purpose uh, in Africa. And the other is China is uh, working very closely with the uh, African Union uh, because that's the overarching organization that addresses issues. So China still, uh, you know, has a strong forbearance to refrain from, you know, uh, directly getting involved, uh, like you know, the muddy water or Ghana type of uh, uh, operation. 
And although, you know, many of the Chinese business leaders that have a stake in the uh, Africa, the uh, plea to the government to intervene directly over the uh, uh, harassment over some of the projects they are operating in Africa. And uh, the other uh, issue is that uh, China 20 years ago was really lack of the right type of capacity, both financially and militarily, uh, because uh, uh, China didn't really have a very strong naval, naval force 20 years ago. And uh, now we have the right capacity to reach out. And uh, both financially and militarily, uh, for example, China joined very actively the UN peacekeeping force by putting more of their uh, soldiers under the disposal of the United Nations Security Council. And uh, also that uh, at the uh, actual request of uh, the right type of governance, particularly the multilateral platform in the Sub-Saharan area. So China does really contribute. But more importantly, I think China is really a constructive force in bringing into many of those clashes uh, onto the negotiation table to mediate uh, the right type of uh, peaceful solutions. So that's what China is doing. And uh, uh, China is uh, uh, highly determined, despite of some of the eternal uh, difficulties, uh, but uh, to contribute to the forum uh, discussion, to uh, work together with the multilateral platform and work with the legitimate gov uh, government to address such sort of issue uh, on one hand to serve the Chinese interest and the other is re really to bring the right type of capacity and peace uh, in African continent. Professor Liu, you're mentioning uh, China's involvement in various uh, uh, mediation processes uh, in uh, areas of conflict. We saw recently in the Horn of Africa in Ethiopia, there was uh, a conflict there and uh, China played a role in uh, in trying to mediate and find a, a peace in that area. So my question is, how important is it to get uh, a peaceful resolution that is lasting in that area, the Horn of Africa? How is China sure that it will be able to ensure lasting peace with uh, its involvement in this process in that area? Yeah, I've been to... Uh the uh, Ethiopia uh, and visited a number of organizations and also the Chinese industrial sites. And also I have a number of, uh, of uh, students uh, who are trained on my campus and go back uh, to Tigray for uh, fighting for their, uh, what they believe as the uh, uh, right type of justice in their government. But uh, uh, China is there to uh, believe that uh, number one, uh, poverty, is the main corporate behind any type of uh, conflicts. So therefore, uh, China is still very much determined to go for uh, the uh, industrial collaboration with the uh, uh, local companies and also providing more job opportunities to uh, those youngsters. And therefore, we have uh, a whole dozen of industrial parks that are still in operation during the most difficult time uh, when the conflict uh, was still going on. And the other is that uh, there has been a number of appeals uh, from different groups for China to directly getting involved into the military conflict and China really uh, there to uh, refrain. And so uh, on the ground that uh, China is there res uh, uh, highly respecting the uh, self-determination. So through uh, 
the peaceful negotiation and through their uh, eternal choices. And uh, the, uh, uh, hopefully the resolution can be found on their own uh, voluntary basis. And uh, uh, then uh, China is there uh, also to uh, fully open for the Chinese market of uh, uh, Ethiopian goods because people uh, under the difficult time badly need some of the monies and uh, uh, the, uh, to survive. So therefore, China buys more aggressively of the Ethiopian coffee, uh, soybeans, and uh, and uh, honey. So uh, the Chinese uh, industries are still working uh, very closely with our uh, people. So now I think situation is uh, almost uh, there to uh, settle the dust. And so uh, through the uh, Chinese business community that I uh, have, uh, uh, contact with, they are also ready to uh, step up their investment and trade uh, in Ethiopia. And coming back to you, uh, Priyal, how do you see China's policies uh, aligning with uh, Africa's peace and security architecture and the uh, African Union's goals, such as silencing the guns on the continent? I think that China, by virtue of its current position in the international system as a rising uh, superpower, sees the value of a stable, secure, and prosperous Africa in much the same way that uh, many African states do. Um, I think Beijing looks to the African continent not only as a uh, potential market to, to pursue and exploit commercial opportunities, but as a vital theater in which the future of the global order uh, will be shaped. So, um, you know, accordingly, uh, ongoing Chinese financial and technical support to African-owned uh, and African-led peace and security and development programs, um, like the AU's Agenda 2063, uh, like silencing the guns, is invaluable to the continent because Africa needs, requires a diverse set of uh, international partners, um, you know, so long, um, again, I reiterate, um, so long as uh, Africa's own agency to shape and determine its own future is not undermined by the kinds of uh, geopolitical contestations between the world's great powers that we currently see uh, being played out. Going to uh, the 2021 FOCAC or Forum on China-Africa Cooperation meeting in Senegal, China said it will undertake 10 peace and security projects for Africa, continue to deliver military assistance to the African Union and support anti-terrorism operations in the continent. So what I want to know from you, what do you read, uh, Priyal, from this pledge from uh, China? Yeah, I think we cannot uh, uh, separate or divorce economic development, uh, joint economic development, uh, mutual uh, economic growth and development from uh, broader developmental and peace and security uh, concerns and challenges on the African continent. Um, like the uh, professor was saying previously, uh, you know, in order for us to, for Africa to uh, to truly benefit from its partnership with partners like China on the world stage, there has to be peace and security. There cannot be developments without peace and security. So I think it's it's very welcome um, that countries like China um, 
view the continent's economic development and growth trajectory in similar terms with its peace and security challenges. And the pledges made um, in the FOCAC summit, for example, are incredibly welcome. Uh, these will indeed go a long way uh, to helping Africa first uh, you know, develop a secure environment, a safe environment uh, with which uh, economic development and economic growth can then uh, therefore take off uh, from. Yeah, I concur with that. Uh, uh, is that uh, when we draw on the Chinese wisdom, you know, how to address a boiling water. So one way is that uh, you add cold water and so that uh, it's going to uh, be diluted. And the other is that you uh, pull the fire beneath it. So the response driven type of reaction is really uh, there to add cold water into the boiling water, but uh, to pull the fire beneath it is really the uh, hope and the confidence in the future uh, for Africans. And uh, therefore economic development is the final solution to uh, address a number of problems. Because right now, if you see the ethnic uh, clashes, seemingly, you know, they have different beliefs, but uh, in the end, it is the uh, poverty, it is the despair, and also it is the ill governance in the uh, brutal uh, activities of those uh, so-called security forces that pushes those people to join the extremative uh, uh, forces. So, uh, you know, when they have the right family, when they have the roof uh, to live under, when they have a stable job, and, with, uh, and when I interact with a number of African guys, you know, as long as I, as I marry the right girl, I have the right family, why should I join those uh, uh, groups? But those uh, surveys shows that, uh, you know, the lack of job opportunities is a major contributor for youngsters to really to uh, get engaged in those uh, terrorist or extremes activities. So therefore, by uh, supporting infra uh, infrastructure support, which is really the basis of economic growth, because uh, when uh, economic factors cannot really move around, and uh, when people cannot really move around easily, and they will, you know, uh, have uh, more of the frustrations to uh, get engaged in extreme activities. So. That's really the uh, what China is doing, but I, of course, you know, learning is really a two-direction issue. China is learning uh, both from uh, successful experiences and some of the lessons. And because China, Chinese companies uh, uh, and the Chinese people trying to extend some of their experiences uh, onto the African continent, which is, may not be a very adaptive. But on the other hand, the Afri uh, African people are also learning. Uh, you know, how Chinese uh, companies behave, uh, how the Chinese businesses really uh, hold their own value. So now we do see that uh, there has been substantial progress in the mutual trust building process. I'm going to come to you, Priyal. How can this cooperation between China and Africa ensure that Africa takes ownership of its security governance going forward and that there is no... Um, dependency syndrome that develops uh, in the long run? Well, I think it, it, it all comes down to who gets to set the agenda and how the agenda is set in, in the partnership between Africa and China. I think if, um, you know, if there's a level playing field, I mean, look, in reality, 
um, in reality, this is not a level playing field. China is um, a very powerful nation. It is much more developed in many respects economically. But I think when it comes to our international relations, um, so long as the common principles of mutual respect um, are adhered to that all African countries do have an equal say in setting the agenda of, of the uh, partnership, I think African states can maintain their agency, can maintain uh, you know, the, the, the influence in, in determining the trajectory of the China-Africa partnership. Um, I think we also have to be realistic and temper our expectations um, uh, because going back to your previous question, uh, I think we need to be realistic and understand that all relations on the international stage are uh, in effect somewhat transactional in nature. There's no way to um, go around that. No, no country purely acts in a benevolent way. Um, all countries, there is an element of uh, transaction, uh, there is a transactional nature, but uh, you know, um, so long as we adhere to common principles of mutual respect and, and so on, I think uh, these relations can be mutually beneficial uh, to all. How hopeful are you, Priyal, that we'll see uh, a peaceful Africa and that uh, there'll be stability and no more conflicts that uh, bring us to such discussions in the future? Is there a flicker of hope that in the near future, will we able to get there and enjoy development without interruptions from uh, conflicts and unrest in different parts of the continent? Uh, I think, you know, the realistic answer is that there will be pockets of developments across the continents. There will be pockets, there will be success stories that we will definitely see. But um, we have to be realistic and we have to acknowledge the fact that the international system is becoming increasingly volatile. There's increasing uh, turbulence amongst great powers um, across the international system. And Africa is, in fact, uh, you know, caught in the middle of these uh, much uh, bigger powers uh, competing. So African states have to say, we have to safeguard ourselves. We have to invest in conflict prevention. We have to invest in our own capacities uh, to, to shield us from these exogenous uh, shocks that we may receive from the international system. So the short answer to your question is that, yes, there will be success stories, but they, it won't be evenly spread. Certainly there will be pockets of instability across the continents uh, in which there are deeply rooted structural drivers and root causes of conflict that are very difficult to address, um, but we have to keep on working at it. Uh, we cannot give up. Professor Liu, I'll give you the final word. What's your view on this? If you read the uh, peace and security architecture designed by the uh, EU, and uh, if you look at the vision 2063, they are very inspiring. They laid out uh, the uh, principles, mission, objectives, and uh, uh, solutions. Uh, so the problem is that uh, how to operationalize uh, these uh, uh, visions and these architecture. And that's something that they need more of the capacity building. And uh, I think one very important approach is that uh, uh, you know, there should be a strong unified power uh, not only among African countries, but also with many other countries that sympathize the situation in Africa to bargain uh, strongly uh, with the developed world to support the uh, development 
of uh, uh, the sub-Sahara continent and uh, uh, to address some of the critical issues that are being shared globally, like the climate change issue, green development. That's all the time we have for this discussion. Let me thank my guest Priyan Singh, researcher with the Institute for Security Studies in South Africa, and Professor Liu Baocheng, Associate Dean with the Academy of Global Innovation and Governance. If you like this episode, please share it. And don't forget to subscribe for more content like this one. Thank you for listening and goodbye.